Hello, Valley family. It is so great to be here with all of you today. My name is Stephen Francis, and I want to thank you for clicking and being a part of our online worship experience. As many of you know, this particular week we are back online due to COVID reasons. But hey, listen, wherever you are watching, please know that the presence of God is right there where you are. And if you are on the chat with us, go ahead and just let people know where you're watching from, how many people are watching with you. We have people on staff that would love to greet you and personally thank you for being a part of this if they have not already. Valley, we are in a series right now called Faith Over Fear. And I believe that this particular sermon series is so powerful right now in light of all of the scary things that we are experiencing right now in our culture, in our world, and, and maybe in your life personally. And, you know, this is the third week of the series I preached last week and in the process of preparing for today's message. And maybe start wondering, you know, what are the things that most people are actually scared of? Has someone actually compiled the top fears that people have? And they actually have. I want to share with you for a moment the top four fears that people have out of 10. There's 10 big fears, but I want to share with you four of them. And here's the thing. I know that we're watching online right now, and it's so easy for you just to just watch and not participate, but this is one of the best parts about watching online. You can be a participator in the worship experience. So I'm going to show you four different types of phobias, four different types of fears. And if these fears are anything that you identify with, I just want you to put in the chat, that's me. If it's not something you identify with, you can put in, that's not me. But either way, we would love for you to participate. Let's get to know one another as we dive into the word today. First, let's talk about the fears. The first fear that is very common amongst people is acrophobia, which is the fear of heights. Now, Valley, I'll be honest with you, that is my fear. I am scared of heights. In fact, one of the things that is very interesting about me is that when me and my wife got married, we did our honeymoon in Paris, and I was too scared to go up the Eiffel Tower. And I promise you, she has not let that go. I love you, Jasmine. Here's the next fear that we have. Claustrophobia, which is the fear of a confined or crowded space. Is there anybody watching right now that says, yeah, that's me. I hate being in crowded spaces. My mother is in t very terrified of crowded spaces. She one time refused to drive down the Lincoln Tunnel in New York City because she was scared due to claustrophobia. And we had to drive three hours around it. It was the most ridiculous thing ever. Here's another fear that many people have. Ophidophobia, the fear of snakes. Some of you guys right now might have logged off. I'd please stay with us just because of the image of a snake, my wife included. That is a very common fear, ophidophobia. I wonder if that's you watching today. And the fourth fear is arachnophobia, which is the fear of spiders. Now, I'm not scared of spiders, but if a spider decides to attack me in the middle of the night while I'm driving, listening to worship music, then yes, it could be a terrifying experience. You need to watch last week's sermon to understand what I'm talking about. P.S. The spider, by the way, seemed bigger than this when I was driving in that car, and I'm pretty sure I saw that spider the other day getting gas at a local speedway, but that's neither here nor there. Many of us have fears. All of us have different fears. And the fear that I want to talk about today is the fear that comes about when you're in the midst of a storm. You know, 
growing up, the passage that I heard constantly from my dad was this passage. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, which says this. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And this is absolutely true. This, these words are even powerful to hear. But here's the thing about that. Is that oftentimes too many of us read this powerful passage of scripture in the wrong context. Because for me, growing up, I was interpreting this passage to mean that God has not given us the spirit of fear to mean that we should never be scared at all. But that's not actually what the passage is saying. In fact, we're talking about being scared in a storm, and I want to tell you about a particular storm that I experienced one time. See, one of the scariest jobs I've ever had was working, believe it or not, at an inner city daycare in Springfield, Massachusetts. It was a very large daycare, and if some of you are like, working at a daycare, that's not scary. Trust me, you haven't been in a daycare that long. But either way, I was working at an inner city daycare, and I'll never forget that this particular day, it was a day in July, was one of the most beautiful days I've ever seen. It was clear skies. It was July, but it wasn't too hot, and we had a bunch of the kids show up, and not only was the weather great, but the children were behaving like angels all day. It was truly a perfect day. But I'll never forget, uh, somewhere around breakfast time, I think it was 10 a.m. or so, when we were feeding the children, we all started getting notifications on our phones saying that there was going to be a tornado watch in our area. Now, this particular area of the country never has tornadoes. So I said to myself, there's no need to be afraid. This is just kind of spam. This might have even been an accident. There should be nothing to worry about. We go about our day, we're playing with the kids, the kids are playing outside all day, it's such a beautiful day, and then lunchtime happens, and then around lunchtime, we get a notification on our phones again, saying that there is now a tornado advisory in the area. And I remember thinking to myself, that doesn't make sense, there's nothing to worry about, God has not given me a spirit of fear, I have nothing to worry about, we are going to be just fine, everybody. And then, a little bit later on, Around 3 p.m. or so, we get a notification on our phones. And now it says that there's a tornado warning in our area. And literally, as I am reading this text message or this notification saying that there's a tornado warning in our area, the beautiful, clear day that we had completely goes dark. And I'll never forget it because it went dark with a tint of green, and there begins to be a hailstorm unlike anything I've ever experienced. The hailstorm was so loud that we literally could not hear each other talk in the classrooms. But the one thing I could hear was the janitor of the daycare yelling, oh shoot in the hallway now Valley Christian Church I'm not gonna lie to you he did not actually say the word shoot he definitely said a word that begins with s but it did not end in hoot either way I walk into the hallway to see why he is saying this word and when I go up standing next to him and I look out the window Valley Christian Church I see not only an actual tornado but the tornado was on the street heading towards the daycare 
And whatever level of confidence that I had in that moment completely went out the window. And, event, and I'm going to every classroom saying, all the kids need to hide underneath the desk. I don't even know if that's what you do when a tornado happens. But I'm telling everyone, we all need to hide under the desk. There's, the tornado is coming. We need to prepare ourselves. This is not going to be good. Everybody hide. And praise God, the tornado stopped, I kid you not, a quarter of a mile away from the school. And there was so much damage uh, along that area. And I believe, if I'm correct, there were not anybody that lost their lives. There were several people that were greatly injured, but there were no casualties. But there was a lot of property damage. And from that moment on, I realized something. That moments of fear is actually a good thing because it can be used for self-preservation. But a spirit of fear is something that is often a part of our lives that brings self-destruction. This isn't in your notes, but if you're taking notes and, 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 and you're following along with me so far, I want you to remember this. You can have fear, but don't let fear have you. You might want to put it in the chat. You might want to tell somebody that you're sitting next to, turn to your neighbor and say, you can have fear, but don't let fear have you. And I believe that this is especially true in a storm. So for the rest of the time that we have together, I want to talk about a story that we see in Scripture, in the book of Mark specifically, when the people of, uh, excuse me, the followers of Jesus experienced a storm. It begins like this in Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Jesus had just finished doing a lot of ministry. He was with his disciples and he says, you know what? We need to move on. We're going to go to a new territory to do ministry. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind. There was a great crowd with them, although other boats did follow. But as soon, uh, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. I want to first say this, that everyone will go through a storm. But the storm that I'm talking about is more than just something with thunder and lightning. A storm is anything turbulent in your life, whether it be for a moment or for a season that you usually have difficulty evading. COVID-19 is definitely a storm in our lives. In fact, COVID-19 has not only stayed, but based upon what we currently see in our country, what we currently see even in the state of New York, COVID-19 is picking up strength in this particular area. Many of us have been dealing with the storm of political and social divides which has been causing for many of us to end friendships, for many of us to be at war with one another. And my prayer is for each and every one of you guys, especially going into Thanksgiving, knowing that there's going to be some storms that brew because of the political and social divides that we are dealing with. Your marriage may be in a storm. Some of you are pretty confident as of right now, just due to the condition of your relationship, that you may not be able to make it to 2020 with your marriage intact. Some of you may be dealing with the opposite. You may be dealing with a storm of loneliness and you feel that there is no one that can love you and you're starting to feel like maybe this is the rest of your life being by yourself. 
Some of you may be dealing with a financial storm. Some of you may be dealing with a physical health storm. Maybe you're dealing with COVID yourself or cancer or some other chronic disability. Some of you right now, due to all of these things that I've mentioned, may be dealing with a mental health storm. And depression and anxiety and even thoughts of self-harm seem to be constantly reigning in your mind. But whatever the storm that you deal with, I think it's first important that we see and be honest with ourselves that there are some storms that are our own doing. Some of us are in financial storms right now because simply we spent too much money. Some of us are in relational storms right now because either we did not prioritize the relationships that were most important to us, or maybe you're in a relationship right now where you knew you weren't supposed to be in that relationship, you knew you weren't supposed to be with this particular individual, and because of that, now you're in this toxic mess of a situation. Some of you right now may be in a, 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 a storm of isolation and loneliness, but that could be fixed if you just reached out and told somebody what you're feeling. Whatever type of storm that you're in, there are some storms that we are responsible for, and there are other storms that we simply cannot avoid. In the situation with the disciples, they were in a physical storm. And I want to point out something. Verse 37 of Mark chapter 4, I want to read it again. But a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Interestingly enough, some theologians actually believe that due to the uh, location of this particular storm, that there possibly not just could have been a storm, but also an earthquake that happened under the waters that was causing for massive tidal waves to be happening, which was the reason why this boat was filling with water. But the thing that's so interesting is this next verse. Because it says that, the, that there was a storm that was breaking and waves were filling the boat with water. But Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. How sway is Jesus sleeping in the midst of this turbulent storm? Think about this for a moment. Have you ever been in a turbulent situation? Maybe on a boat, in a car, in a plane. I have another story about another storm that I experienced this time. This was with my wife. We were invited to be a part of a conference in Florida. And we decided that we were going to fly to, to, to this location through this airport that we usually don't go through. And the one thing about this airport was that since it was a smaller airport, you had to fly a smaller plane. No big deal, but either way, we were on this smaller than usual plane. And as we were on this plane, we had to fly from New York to Atlanta to connect to Florida. And as we're on this plane, we hear that Atlanta actually has a really bad storm right now. And because of that, the plane cannot land. So we're just going to hang out in the air. 30 minutes later, after hanging out in the air, the pilot comes back on and says, hey, guys, actually, we are running out of gas. We need to make an emergency landing in order to be sure that we can get to Atlanta on time. Again, not really concerned. Not a big deal. They're doing what they have to do. We land in this emergency location, and now we are waiting two plus hours on this plane. 
Now we have run out of food. Babies are crying. They're giving people free drinks as a way to make them still feel like they're having a good time. The AC is off. We're all hot and sweating and we're all getting frustrated. And then eventually we're like, you know what? We want to go. Let's just go. And eventually the pilot says, all right, we are going to head back to Atlanta. So we refuel, we get back in the air and we're heading into Atlanta and the pilot says, listen, we are about to actually enter part of the storm. There's going to be some pretty bad turbulence. And I don't know if you've ever experienced turbulence like this, but if you ever experienced turbulence that made your physical body start lifting up from the seat, if you've ever experienced turbulence that opened up the luggage areas and luggage starts falling out and people's drinks that they got for free is now splashing in their faces. If you've ever been in turbulence, Valley family, that had the stewardesses that had the flight attendants not only sitting down in their special flight attendant seats but they also look nervous that is the type of turbulence that I was in now praise God we were able to get to the airport just fine despite all of that crazy turbulence but I couldn't help but think after reading this story that there was nobody that would be able to be asleep in that plane the same way I have a hard time believing that if it was this bad on this boat, that there would be no way that Jesus could still be asleep. Nevertheless, it says that he was still asleep. But also what I think is so interesting, it wasn't just the turbulence of the boat that was so difficult, but it says that it was filling with water and Jesus was in the back of the boat. Meaning Jesus wasn't just in the midst of a turbulent boat. Jesus was probably wet from the water. Jesus was both shaken up and Jesus was both soaking wet in the midst of the water and was still sleeping. Now that's a good nap. But the thing that I want to talk about and the thing I want to encourage you with right now is that whatever storm that you are dealing with, that Jesus is present with peace in your storms. Sometimes it can be easy to read the story and get so caught up in the fact that Jesus is sleeping that we forget that it was still Jesus in the boat. Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus, the alpha and the omega. Jesus, the person who created the winds and the waves in the first place. One of the things I love about Jesus is that he has two names that he goes by. He goes by the Prince of Peace, and he also goes by the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The disciples were scared. The disciples were in the boat. The disciples thought that they were going under, but they had power and authority and breakthrough sleeping in their boat. And maybe you're listening to me right now and you're thinking to yourself, listen, even if God is in my situation, I don't need God sleeping. I need God active and present. This is the part of the passage of scripture that I think is so powerful because the waves of the boat did not wake Jesus. The water filling in the boat did not wake Jesus. But we see this in Mark 4 verse 38. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? The winds didn't wake Jesus. The water didn't wake Jesus. Jesus woke when we called. 
on him, when the disciples called on him. Can I tell you this today, Valley family? Jesus cares when you call. Our God that we serve is active. Our God that we serve is powerful and present in our difficulty. And I want to encourage you, I do not think that Jesus is sleeping on your situation right now. But how good is it to know that even if he was, he is not moved by your storm because he is greater than your storm, but he is moved by you calling for help in the midst of your storm. I said this last week in our last message, God is consistent with no contingencies. Meaning if he sees that you're in a difficult situation and he came and helped you before, he will help you today and he will help you tomorrow. I think it's so powerful to know that when we call on Jesus, he acts and he moves. Mark 4, verse 39. Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Put yourself in the story for just a moment. The powerful words of Jesus can rebuke winds and tell the storm to be calm and it will answer. Valley, I encourage you that you allow the word of God to speak into your situation, to speak into your difficulty. Now, whatever storm that you are in the midst of, that you allow for God to speak to the storms and cause for things to regulate what was first irregular, to change what was first considered crazy and erratic. But this also happens. The winds died down, and it was completely calm. And Jesus said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? My response to Jesus in this moment probably would have been, Jesus, how could we have not been afraid? This was a terrible storm. The boat was going to sink. And on top of all of those difficult things, you were sleeping the entire time. How were we not supposed to be worried? How were we not supposed to be concerned? See, I think there's something strategic in what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is not saying, why are you afraid? I think there is power in the sense of Jesus, how he says, why are you so afraid? The same way that sometimes we can misconceive that passage, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. I don't think Jesus was saying necessarily that you shouldn't be scared at all. But why are you more scared? Why are you more filled with fear than you are with faith? See, something that I believe that is true that we see in Scripture when it comes to fear is this. Is that fear, a spirit of fear, is faith in the wrong force. Fear is faith in the wrong force. 
A natural response to a threatening situation is self-preservation. But a spirit of fear can cause you to use it as a weapon of self-destruction. The disciples were so fearful in this moment that they thought that their problem was bigger than God being present. The fear that they had in this situation made them think that God was not in control. The fear that they experienced in this situation made them even think that God didn't care about the storms that they were in. None of that was true. I almost wonder, and I won't know until maybe I get to glory, if Jesus would have had a different response if the disciples went to him and said, Jesus, can you please do something about this? Jesus, we know that you care, and Lord, this boat is about to capsize. Can you please save us in this moment? Because the posture that they came with him was, don't you care that we're suffering? And what would have happened if we said, Jesus, I know that you care about us. Please do something about this. And the most powerful passage of Scripture in this whole thing that goes alongside with also Jesus waking to the sound of his disciples calling him. And I, I want to get to that, but I want to say this first. I want to encourage you with this. When Scripture says in Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in, the, in response to these things? That if God is for us, who could be against us? That works for your storm. In 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world that works for your storm. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And let me be clear, that does not mean that everything that happens to you is good. That doesn't mean that not everything that happens to you, even if it was your fault, is good. But in the hands of God, he can use it for good. That he can take even the most negative situations, the most difficult storms that you're in the midst of, and make good come from it. See, the passage of Scripture that I want to get to now, that I think is so interesting, is that after Jesus calms the storm, and he says, why were you so afraid? Where is your faith? We see this in verse 41. They, the disciples, were terrified and asked each other, Who is Jesus? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Valley family, it is very possible to follow Jesus, but not fully know Jesus. To live your life dedicated to following Jesus the, all the days of your life and still have no idea how powerful of a God and how present of a force that he is. So with that said, I just want to encourage you with two things. First is this, that you know your God in faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We cannot physically see God, but I want us to begin to believe that God is so big, so powerful, so grand that whatever storms we are experiencing, whether it's COVID-19, whether it's a marital issue, whether it's loneliness or finances, that God is bigger, that God is stronger, that God cares, and that he's present, that he is consistent with no contingencies, and that if he has ever helped you out in your life before, he is willing and ready to help you out now in the midst of the scariest of storms. And the next thing that I believe we all need to know is that you need to know your storm and concern. There's a difference between having fear and having concern. Fear is an emotional charge to push away death. But concern encourages actions towards improving and sustaining life. There are some things in our country right now, there are some things in your home and in our community that are concerning. And we need to be sure that we don't act as if nothing is wrong, that we don't act as if there's nothing we can do about some of these things. But we need to, knowing our God and faith, approach these issues with confidence, with conviction, with clarity, knowing our God is able to do something in the midst of our actions. So I want to pray for that now. For each and every person that is going through a storm and maybe the fear in your life has caused for you to think that the God that you serve is not active enough to make a difference. And that that God that also is present with you will not only show himself strong, but that will show you a way to navigate to a clearer sky. Jesus, we thank you for this time that we share together. We thank you that you are the savior in the storm. That whatever difficult situations that we're dealing with, whatever the ripple effects are from these difficult situations that we are dealing with, that there is still a God that is present, there's still a God that brings peace, there's still a God that answers when we call, and that is who we lean on today. Lord, we don't cry out to you thinking that you've deserted us, thinking that, Lord, that this fear that we have in the midst of the storm is too great for you to handle. But we come to you today in the confidence, knowing this, that Jesus, if you speak, things will be still. That if you speak, the most difficult situations will be resolved. Give us your strength, give us your power, give us your peace. And for anyone right now that's listening just briefly and you say, you know what? I don't have this peace in my life. I don't have Jesus in my life. I want Jesus in my life. I want to let you know that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me right now if you want to receive Jesus. Dear Jesus, 
please come into my life. Step into my storm and deliver me from my difficulty. I thank you for your love. I thank you for this gift. And I receive it in Jesus' name.